0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Never Made Varsity. My name is Colby, and I am upset with the college football playoff committee.
1: Hey, everybody. It's David. Um, you can find me on Twitter, dververa1222, and I don't understand why the college football playoff committee
2: is anti-fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, once again. Happy holiday week. For all my peeps, it's your boy Maverick. You can find me on social media at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. The force is strong with this pod. I guess this week I'm gonna be crapping on David and Colby.
3: Um because I disagree with both of your opinions. Um I need to yawn again. Jesus. My oh, this I'm will... sorry!
1: This'll this'll be good. This'll be some shit. <laughs> this will be good. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: Anyway what my I'm, controversial I am, opinion I, is. I,
3: I already know that I disagree. Well, you already stated the opinion that I disagree with. Anyways, I'm Aaron, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P4.
0: Okay, yawning so well, I'll let you do that, friend.
3: <laughs> you can talk over me yawning. I don't give a crap.
0: Let's... Talk basketball, Carolina basketball, before we get into football. And we will be talking about the Mandalorian this episode. I'll be towards the end. But we have other things to do. And we don't have time to record multiple podcasts. So here we are. So Carolina beat Kentucky yesterday. And neither of these teams are good. We're better. But Kentucky is not good. But it's still fun to beat Kentucky no matter how what the yeah.
2: team they're looking like. You take a win over UK anytime. I don't care how good or bad they
1: are. There was somebody who tweeted it out, but someone was like, people will try to spin this as a good win. But and I was like, can you just take the stick out of your butt, please? And just take a win over over UK. Like, it's I get it. They're one in five. But, you know, Kentucky is one of those teams that they have the talent on their squad every year that any game they could do, like they could hit the switch and they could get, you know, get it all right. And I honestly, I even tweeted, I was like, this is probably going to be Kentucky's get right game. I can feel it in my bones. Um, And it kind of did look that way to start, but you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but you know, we kind of flipped the script Um, or, you know, you know, I'm not. I I I'm gonna make a vow to myself that I will only mention the refereeing once today, <laughs> and it was not I this. That, time.
3: I think that there is one specific Tar Heel that flipped the script for us in the second half of the game.
1: Oh yeah, Muffin and Top.
0: Name, <laughs> Muffin Top
1: is Kerwin
3: <laughs> and his name is John Cena. <laughs> his name is Muffin. His top. name is Kerwin Walton. Um.
0: Yeah, you yeah. played great. More of that, please.
2: Step back threes. What?
0: I mean, I was I was on a, a little hangout call that you, David, and Aaron didn't join yesterday. Watching, the <laughs> watching the my basketball. Family.
3: Game.
0: <laughs> my family. And. We um I like how you whispered that, David. Uh <laughs> it, Mav said that we don't have anybody that can like get their own. They can't no one on this team can get their own shot. And it, like as soon as he said that, Kerwin was creating space hitting creating his own shot. <laughs> Shut my mouth. So
1: I think it was uh Bryce who tweeted this. Uh, and he was like, It's so obvious that Kerwin Walton is Winnie Killiams. <laughs> I was like, yes, I would love to have a, a mini Kenny Williams, another four, like another four-year like I love you player that will dr- like could easily dr- like could go off any given day and hit like six threes. Yeah,
3: and he wears let's, number twenty-four as well,
2: right? Let's not forget though, because I think we too quickly forget Kerwin Walton's hitting his threes a whole heck of a lot faster than Kenny hit his. He didn't That's hit true. his first three until the ACC tournament.
1: I remember we all cheered. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I
0: was in Calc three. Next to me, who was watching on my phone. <laughs> that was um, was a get right game for for Kermit or Walton in our three points our three point game a little bit. Have you heard the rumblings on UNC basketball Twitter about Andrew playtech starting? People, I've seen itching, it. itching for Andrew playtech to start. How do y'all feel about that?
1: So I'm assuming that it's in place of either RJ or Caleb. Uh, in place of RJ. In place of RJ. Okay. And then so RJ coming off the bench and doing this and and running the second unit. Right. Um. It's definitely. It's definitely something. I I do know that this current starting lineup is not not doing it because of these starts that we're having to these games and it's bitten us in the butt twice. Arguably once because Iowa, I think I think Iowa was always going to win that game, but te- against Texas, it definitely bit us in the butt, um, and it's been a constant issue. So I can definitely see the shakeup. I think Andrew Playtech has the experience, and if he could just have a consistent jumper, like he's proven that he can, he can you know drive to the lane occasionally, hit some layups, he can. Space out the floor if he can hit his threes, but people are daring him to shoot. If he could just make him pay on some of those, like that. And I tweeted that I've not tweeted this, I sent this in the chat where I was like, if we could just hit a couple of threes, if we could be semi dangerous from the three point range. I think we would immediately improve tenfold because it's going to open up the spacing for the bigs down low. And then people are going to have to respect the perimeter shots and they can't sure, do
0: By the way, Des Bryant just scored a touchdown. That's fun. (laughs) He did not, in fact, retire. No, I I agree. I I, (laughs) I also thought he was done. I would like to see Andrew Platek start. Just, just try it out. He has experience starting. I just want to. I think it would be a good stabilizing force for the. The right now starting lineup, I feel like at times can get a little too fast, or not even like a little too fast, just like a little too sloppy.
2: And I feel like that sort of steady just would help us. Now, yeah. like I said, that can that, that same term can go directly to Andrew playtech But I feel like right now I'm just not as invested in RJ because he's a, this is his first year. Where I'm fine if he gets benched this quickly, and then he can maybe run the second unit just because they're struggling unfortunately the whole team i would say overall is still struggling just over, just with shooting so that still seems to be um a lingering issue also unfortunately leaky is just oh, God. um did y'all see the stat i put in yes that's painful so for for anyone who hasn't listened um adrian atkinson on twitter at freeport kid who often does like Tar Heel analytics stuff uh, he said that Of the 165 Tar Heels with at least 100 made field goals in their career, only four have a worse effective field goal percentage than Leakey, and they were all played before 1973.
0: Yeah, the game has changed (laughs) since 1973. Right now, the best three-point shooters on the team are Andrew Politek and Curry Walton by a margin, Um, then R.J. Davis by... Um, I don't know. I think
2: Puff might even have better than RJ at this point. Maybe the sample size uh, is lower, but he's making his Puff is 1 for 4.
0: RJ Davis is 9 for 27. Yeah,
2: just a little bit. Just a smidge better.
0: Yeah, so I am encouraged. I mean, so I am going to promise myself I will get this up before Tuesday we play State. Always a fun time <laughs> um, at PNC. State doesn't have a bunch of good wins this year. They've kind of been beating up on bad teams. Is kind of what they've been doing in their non-conference. No shade. It's just what they do. Um, I honestly don't know much about the state team. I'm going to keep it 100.
2: Yeah, yeah I don't either.
3: Yeah. I've not watched them play once this year.
2: Now, real quickly, the one thing I think to... Should be mentioned as well. Going just briefly back to the game, um, I think one of the big storylines just was fouls overall, and you, that might be in the conversation of reffing, where four UK players fouled out, and this was definitely, I would think, um, a shining spot for the for the front court, just because they definitely took advantage of the of the foul trouble, especially towards the end. They def- they definitely struggled with rebounding in the first half, but that. Naturally, once the fouls started coming in, they were able to be more aggressive on the boards. And so it definitely paid its dividends. A lot of ham ones overall the game. Armando's continuing dish to be a, a much more efficient type of player, even though he is uh, coming, sharing the minutes with Dayron Chart, Walker Kessler, and Garrison.
0: All right. So the Heels are done with their non conference slate, um, heading into conference play, the games that matter a little bit more. So. We'll see how they do. Shall we move on to football?
1: The ref suck. Carol- that, that was my one reference. They sucked. I hated it. That's it. That's all I got.
0: <laughs> uh, Carolina's Orange Bowl bound. For the first time in its history, we are heading to the Orange Bowl. Wow. We want Bama. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, Notre Dame wants Bama, apparently. No.
0: Yeah, so... The reports are that Carolina is going to be playing Texas A&M. As as we're recording, we don't know for sure, but it seems like unless Texas A&M says, screw it, we aren't playing a bowl, I think um, that's what's going to happen. I don't know. This is what we said last week. This season is a success. We We went from two wins to an Orange Bowl berth in
2: two years. Two years. We are two seasons removed from being a two-win football team. And now we're in the Orange Bowl for the first time in our history. Our first New Year's Six Bowl since 1950. I would say in a very
0: long time, we went to the Orange Bowl. Or not the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, sugar. I believe.
2: Sugar Bowl, gotcha. Uh, no, Sugar Bowl, yeah. We lost to Oklahoma and Rice in back-to-back Sugar Bowls in, the, in 49 and 50. Can't lose to rice. You can't lose to food.
3: <laughs> you can't lose to food in a food bowl, no less.
0: <laughs> in a food bowl.
3: So yeah,
0: I am happy for this team. I honestly don't know how good Texas A&M is. Uh, they got blasted by Alabama and then have been beating up on bad. Um bad sec teams with the exception of florida uh but that florida team lost to lsu
2: to be fair it just we lost means more State,
3: so. Yeah. <laughs> so it
2: just means more they also lost to a not great alburn team that just fired their head coach
0: yeah i don't know uh we will see i think we have i don't know are we recording a podcast next weekend as we show plan on the show talk about it more sometime between now and january 2nd i believe this is when that game is the first
3: second second the second at 8 p.m i believe
0: oh nightcap cool but there is other college football news the top six again as we're recording the top six for the college football playoff (laughs) are out we have Alabama at one, Clemson at two, Ohio State at three, Notre Dame at four, Texas AM at five, and Oklahoma at six. Aaron, is this what you wanted to yell at me and David about? Yes. Can, now, can listen, we I... least, can, wait, 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 wait. Let's can we can we at least say what we have to say before you get honest about what we said that I... we haven't said yet? <laughs>
3: I'm going to make a minor concession first. Do you, want, do you want me to make the minor concession before you start or after before I make my point? Sure, but I'm not even sure what you're mad at me about. I know, yeah, we haven't even <laughs> said anything yet. <laughs> no, I already know. You're just going to start saying some stuff about how Cincinnati deserves to be higher than where they are and maybe something about Coastal or BYU. I don't know which one. Um, but Cincinnati, I'll give you, they should probably be in the top six but they should be at best number six. Okay, go.
1: Um, Okay, so (laughs) uh, what I was saying was that I can understand kind of how how Ohio State made it. Um, I think putting them at three is a bit much just because of them playing six games. And quite frankly, and I know Aaron's going to have some trash opinion about this, but I just want my to My opinions say, are not stop, trash. Stop, stop, <laughs> let No, me you instigated. Let me you instigated. Let me finish. I'll let, let you me finish. Know. Let me finish.
3: What, let you stopped calling me out? <laughs> me
1: you told us that we were going to have bad opinions before we even said anything, so I want you to shut your butt up. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: I know what your opinion is. You don't know my opinion.
1: <laughs> Ohio State if this was any other team other than ohio state they would not be in the college football playoffs they would not if they didn't get to play their full schedule which i and i'm not saying that this is ohio state's fault it's not their fault that other other teams had to cancel because of covid protocols but if this was not ohio state and i think colby said it when we were talking he said if this was indiana if indiana was 6-0 and they had a and they had a um and they had a conference ch- uh, title
2: big 10 championship
1: they had a big 10 championship would they make the college football playoffs? It depends. No, it doesn't, because they would not, because they would only have six games. So the only reason Ohio State has made this college football playoffs is because they're Ohio State. And that's okay. You just got to admit that.
2: Okay, no other so, team
1: would get that luxury. So the it's way Ohio State is, privilege,
2: you got to check your Ohio State privilege.
0: There is the S tier this year. That is Alabama and Clemson. They are clearly the two best teams in the country. I am pretty sure Ohio State's good. I don't think they're as good as Alabama and Clemson, but I'm pretty sure they're they're a good, well built football team. After that, I have no clue who, uh, who who comes after them. If there was any year to throw a G five team in this is the year. Why not? Whoever you put in that four slot is going to get blasted by Alabama. Yeah, you know
3: exactly. So if you want to have, uh, sorry, I'll let you finish. <laughs> so it,
0: do why not prove your point the playoff committee, put the G five team in there, do it, see what happens. But at this point, there is no way for a G five team to ever win a national championship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you expand the playoffs, is it just going to be another thing where, well, now the top eight teams are t- here and Cincinnati's going to be sitting at or whoever, UCF, Coastal, whoever, BYU is sitting at nine. <laughs> like, I don't think there's a, I think there's a non-zero chance of that happening, even if you expand the playoffs. I was looking at the playoff committee, like who is choosing these games? And I am going just to read out the positions of these people. The chair, Gary Barder. I'm not going to say all their names. Um, AD at Iowa. Uh, professor at Arizona State. AD at Wyoming. The only G5 school, by the way. AD of Oklahoma. AD of Colorado. Um, head coach, former player. Uh, AD of Georgia Tech. AD of Texas a m AD of Florida. Former player. Oh, Arkansas State. So I'm sorry, there are two G5 people in the committee. The Power Five ADs are going to protect their money at all costs. It is a conflict of interest to have them choosing who's going to be in the playoff because they stand to gain. (laughs) I don't like when humans get to make these choices. I feel like they should go I don't I don't think there was anything wrong with the BCS computer rankings I really don't I think there was a problem with only letting two people compete or two teams compete for a national championship I feel like they should go back to the BCS or not the BCS or like some sort of computer ranking and let that choose the teams a bunch of rankings this year have have Cincinnati in the top 4
3: I agree with you there I think that I don't think there's a problem with the BCS rankings. I think the college football playoff committee is inherently flawed because they change their criteria every single year, which is in large part because their membership fluctuates. The members of the committee fluctuate year to year. But I also think that you are spot on in that no matter what the number is, the group of five team is always going to be the – number 5 team or the number 9 team or the number 17 team. And I think as you continue to expand the pool the how meaningful making the playoff and winning the playoff are diminishes.
0: Now, I'm looking at the um the Massey ratings which um if you're not familiar, they like compile every single ranking system uh for college football it's like 57 different rankings all composited into one ranking system their top six from six to one are Texas Am Cincinnati Notre Dame Ohio State Clemson Alabama so the top four are the same in the same order mm-hmm. but Cincinnati at five that I'm fine with that that makes sense I would be fine with Cincinnati at5 I still think that Notre Dame's going to get blasted Um, by Alabama but
3: I just found simulated BCS rankings which it uses instead of the um the Harris poll doesn't exist anymore so it uses the coach or it uses the AP poll for the media portion of it um but it's effectively the same it has Alabama one Clemson two Ohio State three Notre Dame four and M5 Cincinnati six so it's the outcome is the same with the BCS Granted, with Cincinnati at six instead of where are they now? Seven,
0: eight? I don't know. Uh, I don't think they've said yet. Yeah, I I'm guessing they're going to be at seven.
2: Yeah. The thing that's still confusing to me is it's not even just the fact that Ohio State made the four, but they they didn't even get four. They got three, so they even jumped someone that's in the four. Well, yeah, I get to be that fair, just I don't because think Notre Dame's very good.
0: I I think they're trying to avoid that back to back game with. Clemson and Notre Dame playing twice in a row I think yeah. that's why that happened
2: and like yeah I agree we're also we're getting like Ohio State Clemson in the semifinal for like the nth time Clemson's not playing anymore well, yeah but I think that <laughs> oh that little old clemson State they just clemson. gotta go through so much adversity you know they just have everybody against them they just gotta rise up and beat them Goliath because they're they're there's that little David you know they just they, they have so much adversity, you know. Oh, I just feel so bad for them. They go through so much.
3: I think, though, to that point of you getting Ohio State-Clemson for – it's the second year in a row that we're getting that, and they've played in the playoff three times now, I believe. Um, but I think that the point is that you would rather get Ohio State or Clemson against Alabama in the championship. Like, you, you don't want Alabama versus either of those two teams – Before the championship game, from a TV perspective,
0: absolutely. Like this is all about protecting the money. I don't know. I just I don't see a way of without like the auto bid thing, which I don't. I think auto bids are a horrible idea. I don't. I don't like the idea of auto bids, but um, I don't know. So speaking of Oklahoma teams, in the Cotton Bowl, by the way, Cincinnati is playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl. <laughs> that might be a good game, honestly. I want to see this Cincinnati secondary go up against a reinvigorated Georgia offense at Curb Street was trying to convince me that Georgia was actually good.
3: So I never finished <laughs> making my point about Cincinnati, Colby. Please in response please. to your point about how you're like, this is the year for the committee to like show that like that a group of five team doesn't have a shot to, to like I feel like the opposite of that point is the reasoning why they shouldn't this year shouldn't be the year because I, be, I think that Cincinnati is one of the best group of five teams that we've seen in a while. but I also think if they're number four, they get absolutely destroyed by Alabama. and I think that unless a group of five team has a really good loss or a win, the first time that they're in the playoff, it's gonna set back that progress a very, very long time. I mean, I
0: think the best team to not make the playoff, like the best G5 team not make the playoff was probably that Mackenzie Milton-led um, UCF team.
3: Either that or the Houston team, the one year that beat um, Oklahoma, they just then crapped the bat in their conference schedule. Yeah. Um, But yeah.
0: But it's, I don't, if you're a G5 AD, what do you do? Like if you're, if you're the AD at Cincinnati or UCF, or, I I mean, I don't think that Coastal will be able to keep up this sort of offense year over year. Um, But if you're at one of those schools app, I I mean, I think app could jump up and maybe get back to that sort of level of competing. What are you supposed to do? (laughs) Showing a better conference. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair at all. Because I honestly think that the fun belt and the American are kind of just as good as the Big 12. I'll
3: let you have that take. I'm not (laughs) going to agree with that, but I'm not going (laughs) to criticize you.
0: At least I think that the meat of the Big 12 is the same quality as the meat of the Sun Belt or the meat of the American. Probably closer to the American, but still. Like did Georgia State, Georgia Southern, App, um, Coastal, those are good teams. Tulsa is a good team. Cincinnati is a good team. UCF is a good team. It's official. It's official. We are the
2: number thirteen team
0: and playing Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl. Bring it on. We want the Aggies.
2: Man, if we weren't in a pandemic, I would I would make that drive. Shall we? Is it time to
0: do the? I mean, Panthers suck. Where it's two thirty, the games that um we normally talk about are on now. So I'm down to talk about a little Mandalorian. This wah, is the wah, way. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hyped. Oh. So this is where I'm gonna say it now. This is full spoilers from this point forward. So. If you don't want to hear spoilers, get out of here now. Um, because we aren't holding back. So get I think that's plenty of time. Um why are people mad about the name Grogu?
3: It's a fine uh, it's, it's uh, a lovely name.
2: You I think, think, think people just like the name
3: Baby Yoda
1: better. <laughs> I think they're just upset that it's not a cutesy name. You know like, what I'm
0: saying? Do you remember that the other of his species is called Yaddle? Like, what? You, what are we doing here? All of these names are dumb. They're all dumb names. <laughs> no, it's, no. It, it's they're
1: just. I, it's not. It's 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 not real outrage. <laughs> I don't think. I think they were just like Rogu. That's like a grown man name, and then they moved on. <laughs>
2: I like it a lot. It's fine. Grogu's cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. What were y'all's general thoughts? I'm, I'm very curious, just as a season as a whole. We can go a little bit more in-depth across the season, but just uh, without going too much into things, we can talk about that more in-depth.
3: It's good. I thought it was better than the first season. I mean, I think like there was more overarching story this time, which is my biggest criticism of the first season. Um, and I think that's what made it a lot better, in my opinion.
1: Um. So I think it was, uh, I think I watched, I watched Chris Duckman talk about it, I think. And he made a good point where it's like, you know, I, I did notice that there was more fan service this this season, but in instead of it being like forced fan service for this, like to get you hooked, like I already cared about the show yeah. before they had the fan service. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I felt like they actually earned it by the time they did do the whole, like the slave one and Boba Fett thing. And when they did the, you know, you know, spoiler alert, Luke Skywalker thing, you know, (laughs) you know, like, I felt like, I felt like it was like the show did the legwork that I cared about what happened. And like, you know, I cared about the story I cared about the Mandalorian. I cared about Grogu I cared, you know, I thought that them, you know, bringing in Bo-Katan and everything was pretty cool. And I haven't watched rebels, but I know that I I asked Maverick and I, she's a a well-liked character and. um, Very much so you know um i thought bringing boba fett back um and having him be badass like you think about it like did boba fett really get to do anything badass in the original trilogy like not he really just looked
2: that way it looked, so you know, people just assumed
1: but he didn't get to do anything pretty cool he showed up looked cool and then got kicked into a sarlacc pit like <laughs> like so to see him
3: get and we thought you know, he died yeah,
1: yeah. To, to see him to see him get stuff flushed out i think is really cool and overall i i enjoyed the heck out of this season i you know when uh when I'm standing up during a show, there's there's something happening, you know, <laughs> when, when my butt is clenched when something's happening on screen. <laughs> when it's something happening, I know this is good.
2: <laughs> so no, I also watched uh, that review from Stuckman, and I think that kind of point goes into Aaron Sink, where I think I mean, it's no disrespect to season one. I really liked season one. Uh, and I think season one, as Chris said, did a lot of the lead work to build the world, to get us in, invested with Jar in jar and the Mandalorian and also in now we know as Grogu, but baby Yoda as well. And so now we get to season two, it really kicks into a high gear, being able to start connecting and, and spreading the roots and branches into the other parts of the Star Wars universe. So I think there was a lot of points there. And I, I think I agree with it as well. The fan service it was earned and it was also like it was plausible. It was it was things that, oh, this makes a lot of sense this this could this is completely logical that this could happen in this point in time uh, for a lot of things whether it be bringing back boba fett having um, bo katan show up also luke skywalker showing up so i did like a lot of that and that's my biggest thing that i wanted with the sequel trilogies is being able to make a lot of connective tissue to the other levels of canon whether that be the shows video games books and i think this season and the show as a whole has done a really good job. Of it.
0: Yeah. I liked it. It was good. I, I, feel I, like I, know, what
1: I, I feel like, I feel like it's like, do you need to expand on it? or are you just like, yeah?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, as far as like comparison to last season, um, I liked it about the same. I, I think I like last season a little bit more just because I kind of like the non serialization This jumping in for for an adventure of the week um, was fun for me. But uh, I did not feel turned off by. The more like digging into the, the stuff that we know about the Star Wars universe, it didn't feel like. It wasn't just like hey look at this thing you like this thing like this show because you like this thing it, it wasn't that um which which felt good and um yeah it was a good season of television they, they put the money to good use
2: i mean we can probably just go ahead and dive in like it i mean it really starts off with the first episode and i think my biggest thing is with all the easter eggs and things like that it was things it, it relatively inconsequential things but for someone that has watched canon that is invested in all types of canon it's just like that it's the leo dicaprio meme from uh, i forgot the name now oh um, once upon a time in hollywood once upon a time in hollywood where he just points at the screen like oh that i see that it's like in the first one you we he lands in tatooine again we're back in tatooine uh meets amy star Kater, who is probably my least favorite character of this series um, but you see R5, which is all but the, the red droid that Luke runs into in episode four that blows its gasket, which causes him to get R2-D2. And you have, we meet characters like Cobb Vanth, who is a part of the Aftermath novels that goes more in depth in between episode six and episode seven to the politics of Tatooine. Um, also goes more in the story of how he came across Boba Fett's armor, which I think was one of the big reveals of that. And then I mean, even on top of that, you also have his pod, which is a, a part of an engine from a pod racer, and it, it's the same type of pod that Anakin had. I don't think it's the exact same one, but it's at least the same style of it. There's, a, I think, there's just overall a lot of stuff like that where you don't have to see those things, and and that's not going to enhance or your experience if you don't know what it is. But for someone that does, it's just another like little thing to see.
1: I didn't, I didn't need to know what a crate dragon was before. The episode to enjoy the fact no. that there was a crate dragon in the episode, and I didn't need to know that there's a skeleton of a crate dragon in episode four when C-3PO and R2 are in the desert, or like yep. the sound that Obi Wan made when he was scaring off the Tusken Raiders was supposed to be like I didn't need to know all that to to enjoy it, you know what I'm saying? So it's a uh, I enjoyed the first episode. I think Tim- Timothy Oliphant, I thought he's he's the sheriff oh perfect he is the type type of marshal
2: slash sheriff role i mean he was in deadwood yeah what was uh, the justified justified yeah i mean that he was made for that kind of role so very suave you could definitely tell the boba fett armor did not fit him that well especially the first shot of it but it was just the thing like oh crap that's boba fett's armor and then at the very end is when mendo's riding off into the sunset off to the next mission we get that hooded figure and turns around, it's Tamara Morrison. It's uh, all but Boba Fett, who actually originally played Jango Fett in episode two. And so that set up some story beats later on in the season. He he was coming to collect that armor. So
0: how do you want to, Mav, I'll, I'll let you lead. Do you want to do like top three
2: episodes of the season? Is that how you want to do it? Sure, we can do that.
1: Let's do it. I'm ready. I, got, I, I looked up the episode name, so I, I, I'm ref, I now have a reference.
3: Yeah, oh, I need to pull up my reference.
2: I can start because I already have mine.
1: I'll go after you. I got, I got mine.
2: So like In no particular order, my three would be number, uh, chapter 11, which was episode three, The Heiress, in which where Bo-Katan was officially introduced, just because it, it expanded the Mandalorian kind of world. And I think this particular episode brought in one of the major themes, I think, of this season was challenging denjarin's worldview especially as a member of mandalorian and we also get the revelation that he was actually a member of the watch which was a big part of the clone wars series Uh, it was a fringe group of mandalorians that were very fundamentalist i I guess is the best way to put it and that's why he had the very strict code for putting on the helmet and keeping it on so it confused a lot of people were like he's like i can't take off my helmet and everybody's like well, we know a lot, plenty of Mandalorians that do that. So why is he doing it? So I think for both the casual fan and the, someone that has watched the previous series, it's kind of, it was interesting to see both sides kind of talking about that issue because people who haven't seen it were just believed Mandalorian and what he thought. Whereas the people who have seen it knew that there was some cognitive dissonance with that overall. But also there was just a lot of great action for this. You still can't trust the Quarren Those the the beings that threw him into that boat, uh, the the water pit. Untrustful creatures. Yeah, it was a fun time. And then my second favorite would be chapter chapter 13, which was episode five, where we get none other than Ahsoka Tano uh, introduced. So yet another character from the animated series into the Star Wars universe played by Rosaria Dawson, who did I think a fantastic job. It was originally voiced by Ashley Eckstein, uh, but I think Rosario played the part beautifully. And for someone as high a caliber as he was, a lot of people were like, "This person's going to have something. This isn't going to be a one-off thing." And then we get from the Disney investors meeting that Ahsoka is going to have her own series. So I think that was, in a lot of ways, the backdoor pilot for that kind of show. And then lastly, I think the the finale, as well as my third, as one of my top three. It just had so many story elements. You save Grogu. The dark is a big part of it, and we get Luke freaking Skywalker. I mean, what, what more can you say?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that I, I need to remember to talk about the dark saber when I when I talk about my stuff. It'll be the last thing I talk about. But um, my my favorite episodes would it would have to be. Um, I really enjoyed the Ahsoka Tano episode number thirteen. Um, the jedi um i really liked the kind of like samurai aesthetics that it had um like the the dueling and the um the very like um like east asian uh feel yeah It's, it's a lot of it um i'm just a sucker for that i thought it was also also shot really well there were some really really cool beautiful shots um during that episode that i was like whoa like when you have like all like the um uh, the dudes that are trying to get Ahsoka and she's just like tearing them
2: up in that Go through, swamp. going through the fog and everything.
1: Yeah. I'm like, wow. And there's some there's a shot of Ahsoka too, where she like kind of like pulls out her saber like
2: mm-hmm. behind
1: so, uh, there's so many. It was like a reverse horror movie. I was like, oh this is great. <laughs>
2: um, and it was directed by Dave Filoni, who that's he's this is like he only he directed one episode last season. And for otherwise he's very much a animated Type of director, and so to see him put something like that out, I mean, it was he had to have directed this episode because it, it, Ahsoka is his child, and yeah. so he was going to be the person that put that on the screen for the first time. So, I those think those of you that. Job those of you that listen
0: to four nations report know that um me and my co-hosts there have an interesting relationship with dave Filoni. <laughs> <laughs> i for one am a dave Filoni fan my co-host ariel is not but <laughs> interesting. i think he's a I, good director <laughs> that kind of that kind of doesn't surprise me i don't know why it just for my from listening
1: <laughs> <laughs> um my second favorite episode i'm surprised that you i thought it, this would be higher on people's uh it might be on the two of y'alls, but for me, I really liked uh, The Believer, the second to last chapter. That's my fourth. That's your that's your fourth. Yeah, I, Bill Burr, man, <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs>
2: like, that, that man can act.
1: I thought it was really good. I thought the card, like the the, the Rhydonium chase sequence was really cool with the pirates. I thought that having the Sand Troopers was kind of cool, the dialogue and kind of seeing the flip side of it where you have like, you know, the Empire side where there is some kind of hard feelings just from some former uh stormtroopers uh, against some some of the officers that make these decisions that end up with lots of casualties and it was just interesting to see that kind of expanded and so that was one of my favorite episodes and um i was like i don't know how they're gonna top that because i really liked that yeah. um but uh you know i think for me the last episode was the coup de grace i mean um you get the dark troopers. You get Moff Gideon with the dark saber. You get the spear versus versus the dark saber. You got the bo katan, and you've got Boba Fett coming in with Slave One. Like it's just so much cool stuff. You get Luke Skywalker in there. I I don't particularly like. I get sad at TV shows, but like there were tears in my eyes at the end when you know Grogu's like touching his helmet, and he like takes off his helmet, and he's like it's like that very emotional goodbye. And it's like, nothing is said, which I find beautiful. Like, it's just like, it's the emotions over the last two seasons and the, the you kind of fill in the gaps of the things that they've been through. And, you know, it's just, it was just a a very touching moment. Um, And then also kind of like, also slowly realizing what might have happened to Grogu, as a consequence of what happened so when we can talk about that later we can talk about we'll, it yeah. we'll
0: talk about it after this because um i have thoughts and we have also thoughts? got a okay. question about it so okay, cool. um
1: so and the, so and the one the one thing i want to say the last thing i want to say is that i really found it very funny that bo-katan was like your traditions are weird and outdated and then her whole thing is like i can't take the dark saber without trial mm-hmm. by combat and like your tradition is weird and outdated <laughs> it's like it's just a weird like dichotomy of like that's
0: well, also something we can talk about in just a moment i okay. guess what i want to talk about the last episode and we can use the the question that we got on twitter as a segue for talking about it um but david i believe that was three that was my third yeah that was my third yeah um yeah i'll go quick uh first one to marshall i'm just going to go into order that they came out this is not in like the order how i like them um, I just like it's a good int- reintroduction to that world, and Timothy Olyphant is great, <laughs> uh, no matter what he does. So I appreciate it. Uh, after that, I'm going to say the tragedy. I really like the tragedy. Um, something about me and things not going well that I really, <laughs> I, I really <laughs> like. Well, but, things um, just going sideways. Yeah, I I like that episode a good bit, and then um probably third best i probably like tra- the tragedy the best and the martial second best probably third i'll put the rescue because of that last scene with kroku and um and mando so it, it like david says a very touching sh- scene um yeah,
1: it's it's yeah. it's t- it's yeah. tough to pick because like I was thinking about them. I liked the Marshall episode and I liked the tragedy too. And I'm like, where am I gonna like? I was sweating out like where I'm gonna put all this stuff. I almost put the tragedy instead of um the Jedi, but it was close. I just thought that um the cinematography and the Jedi was really freaking cool.
0: <laughs>
3: Go ahead. Uh, for me, um maybe I just have recency bias, but my top three episodes are the final three episodes of the season. I think that. <laughs> Uh, I think that the Believer and the Rescue are a tier higher than any other episodes in the season. I think that the Believer has really, really, really well done character development. And I also think that the scene with the um, Rhydonium, the fight scene is really well done. Um, And the Rescue, I think, is just like by far the best self-contained episode of the series. Um, I think that it's a perfect finale where, like, if they didn't make another episode of The Mandalorian, I'd be satisfied. Um, and I just think that uh, Giancarlo Esposito is absolutely fantastic. He is such a good actor, and he's so well cast in his role as Moff Gideon.
0: So let's talk about the last episode. We got a question uh, for Brian Holtzhauser at Brian JH57 who asks so does kylo ring kill grogu at the new jedi temple so let's talk about that because um i texted Mav this earlier when i had that same realization that dave was talking about earlier um this episode implies that either one grogu was killed by ben solo or Grogu is a Knight of Ren. And I, for one, believe... I did not make that connection. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I, I for one, believe that Grogu is one of the Knights of Ren. Now, you might be thinking, no, he's not big enough to be one of the Knights of Ren. We've seen Force users do weirder things before.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I am going to say that Grogu is one of the Knights of Ren.
2: And my only counterpoint that when he texted me that is that it made it seem like all the knights were accounted for in episode nine. They didn't because they were all banded together finally. They finally decided to put them all on the screen at once. And there wasn't a little tiny knight in that group.
3: <laughs> Maybe they were hiding like behind three, there were three tiny knights all <laughs> in. <the laughs> <trench coat. laughs>
2: Maybe it was they were standing up together, and it made this one. Even adult know. Manning,
1: <laughs> I saw no Yoda spins <laughs> like in there. He did not do his little dancey dance.
0: Um, but yeah, when are we gonna stop pretending the Jedi are good? When's that gonna happen?
1: I thought we stopped pretending in in uh uh the Last Jedi
0: <laughs> because I think it's I think it's interesting how people are watch that because i've seen a lot of reactions to that that scene where some people are like oh yay baby yoda gonna go learn how to be a jedi and then like the other people are like oh no because luke is, at from his own admission luke isn't the best at
2: this so. yeah. i mean i think one thing uh, that was brought up by someone that i think was a really cool idea is that i think it, it does a really cool Connection to the last Jedi because I think again, the biggest thing of this entire season was Luke Skywalker appearing uh, to save Grogu. Although it's the most logical thing, he's the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy and he's starting up a new Jedi order. So, of course, he's going to be looking for people to train. So, it made total sense. People were thinking it would be Calcastus or Ezra Bridger or someone like that. Uh, but this makes total sense if you go through we and I think a lot of detractors from The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker felt a lot of vindication with this because they finally got to see that Luke Skywalker that they were just begging to be able to see in the sequel trilogy, which is what gave them so much anger and why they were so upset with the characterization with Luke. When he's going down that hallway, when he's standing there and just he puts his hand out, tells the kid to come with him, that, that Luke is extremely confident that it's almost that Jedi like just grin and smiling. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the SHIT. Um, and so you take that his mindset right there and then you look what he became and what 25 years later, it I think it just adds to the gravity of his failure or at least how much it had to have affected him that his own nephew became the new heir to the dark side and how much that really did mess with its head. So I think it makes that characterization of Luke all the more powerful.
0: Um, so I had a question and it literally just like sprinted out of my head, my head as soon as I started thinking
2: about it. While that. you're doing that, what do you think of the, the, oh. the decision to CGI him or DH him?
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. What um, I thought it looked a little, a little wonky. I've seen it's, better de aging,
2: but there, there's the quote unquote uncanny valley that it's still. I think they said they might have used more of the deep fake hype rather than the quote unquote de aging. I don't know really what the major difference is because there's people like on YouTube that actually do the deep fake, and it, some people argue that it looks better.
3: Mm-hmm. But I, I've seen some popular deep fakes of The Office that have been going around the past couple of weeks.
2: So. I, I did. It didn't affect me at all. Quite Honestly, I, as, a, as a wrestling fan, uh, I have become very much attuned to the idea of the suspension of disbelief. All I had to see was that black glove and that green lightsaber. I didn't give a crap anything else. I knew that that was Luke Skywalker. Um, people were like, is it going to be suspension? Stan, people have been saying that for years now because of how uncanny they look. And also Sebastian's in that prime age of what this Luke Skywalker would be. But I totally support this decision. I think what it kind of tells me, and I think a lot of people would be happy about this is that it's not meaning that they're just going to start pushing the Skywalkers back into everything. This was just meant to be a one-time thing because it made sense for the story. I would say if they did plan to have Luke involved more, they would have recast him because I think that's more of a long-term thing to do. Whereas for just a one-time thing, using CGI was the best way to go. I think it looked better than Moff Gideon,
0: or not Moff Gideon. Moff Tarkin. Um, Moff Tarkin and um, Leia, and Leia in Rogue mm-hmm. One, which looked Yeah, I agree bad. <laughs> it, it still looked like a little plasticky, but yeah. other than that, I thought it was fine.
2: Not to mention, I'm sure it's a thing because once it does, the technology gets better, I don't see how they wouldn't go back and they can always edit it because they, they edited out the crew member. That was in the one scene in episode four. So I'm sure they could go back and continuously work on it and make it better over the years. Should we do the other question? Or no, Matt, you also have some questions. Yeah, let me get this pulled up. The one thing, too, that we didn't do, because like I said, episode eight was in all of our top three episodes. So I feel obligated to say, just to, for everybody's reference, it was directed by Peyton Reed, Tarheel. Tarheel. <laughs> <laughs> Peyton Reed of Bring It On fame, <laughs> uh,
0: also did the first Ant-Man movie.
2: So let's see, bear with me just a moment. This
1: also, photo. Robert Rodriguez directing uh, the tragedy. <laughs> I was like, whoa.
2: Also, Apollo Creed directed Star Wars.
1: I know, that's cool. <laughs> Freaking Carl Weathers.
2: <laughs> Love it. So we, uh, we did talk about, at very end, we at the end of episode eight, we get the idea that we have the Book of Boba Fett coming out in December of 2021 after Boba Fett takes back over Jabba's palace and he sits on that throne. Um, There's like, do you think it, it while it says book, do you think it would be a book, movie, or series? I would say, or what's your thoughts on it? I think it's at least something that's gonna be on Disney+, Plus, either a movie or a series. Um, just because they've always talked about doing the Underworld. There's been so many rumors of a Boba Fett movie, and perhaps they're putting all the story beats together into one thing. Maybe like a mini-series. Yeah, you know? that's what
0: I figured. I figured it'd be like a mini-series. I didn't even think that it could be like a TV movie, but um, yeah, I figured mini series.
2: I think one of the confusing things is it was very brushed over in the investors' meeting that Mandalorian Season 3 coming December 2021, and then this comes out, we're like, is this actually going to be season three of Mandalorian? Because he is Mandalorian now. That was one of the, also the revelations that came in the tragedy that finally put that tenon fodder to, to rest. Um, oh, I, uh, I
0: um, I have one more question for you all about the finale before you get to more questions, if that's okay, Mav. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, why didn't um Bo Katan just like do some a little uh, rock paper scissors?
3: To, I the think that, that,
2: was, that was actually like one to, of my friend's questions okay, I, yeah, like, Aaron, But I have an answer
3: It seems to me like The combat that they were alluding to Is like some slashy slashy someone dies Yeah I yeah But come it, on it, Slashy slashy is not as simple as Rock paper scissors <laughs> here's the dark saber
2: <laughs> so Yeah allow one of the, the Cannon people to put their Cannon hat on um, so for those of you who've not watched Star Wars Rebels, I don't want to spoil it all the way, but let's just say that Bo Katan did not win the saber in combat. So that has been one of the slight plot plot holes that came with this. But it's also a thing where there was that story beat was loosely interpreted in the Clone War series, where there because Mandalore is very much a warring and warrior like nation, that especially for the item that's supposed to be symbolic of the leadership and of the world, that it is something to be fought over. Uh, But Bo-Katan was given the dark saber by someone who stole it from someone else. So one thing I think it was is I, I wanna say, at least my theory is it's gonna come out somehow some way that Moff Gideon learned this piece of information and being the manipulative type of person himself, he challenged her to fight because he knew that she was that Mandalorian, a, t- a nation that's tied to tradition and was going to fight her over it. I don't know if he won cleanly or or what, uh, but ultimately wins the saber. And so he's he's still manipulating it, even in this circumstance, where because of the tradition on, for both Din Djarin and for her. It's not necessarily that itself. But if he just gives it to her again, again, it's still not legitimate. And so it's, it's more her own psyche that I have to be able to win this back to be the legitimate person. So, because if someone finds out that it was just given to me again, then I'm not going to have the backing and the following that I need to truly take over Mandalore. So that's why it's still her that she has to fight to win it. I don't know if they have to kill because that is still something loose because Moff Gideon didn't get killed and he didn't kill her. But that's the main gist.
0: Big Elder Wand energy with the yeah, saber. very much so.
2: Um, spoiler alert for someone who watched Rebels, it was originally, it's because in the Elder Ones uh, sense, it belongs to Darth Maul, and it was stolen from Darth Maul by Sabine Wren, who gave it to Bo-Katan, and spoiler from animated series. Hmm. What are the
0: questions, because I, I think we should do Michael's last, um, mm-hmm.
2: The other one is what what do we believe we kind of went into a little bit is what will Grogu's role be? Or at least will we see him again in this series?
0: Mm, probably. I don't think we'll see him for a long time, and I kind of don't think we should see him for a long time. Um, Just because that ending was so good, and <laughs> I feel like it kind of dampens the emotional weight of it if they just bring him right back. Like mm-hmm. what's what's the point? Yeah, if we don't feel the loss the way that um, Mando felt the loss, so I, I'll say I hope that we don't just see, see him.
1: I want to say like I wonder what the age is that he comes becomes more like an adult, you know,
2: or at least can speak.
1: Yeah, because right now he's fifty and he's still a little baby, so I wonder how long it is. Like so conceivably, like he's going to be. A baby, for a while, <laughs> unless he's like right at the edge. I don't know how. I don't even know. They don't. Obviously, you don't know what Yoda's. You know, race is called their people. Um, but I don't the know. They, the at the same
2: time, he's been trained for probably a good 20 30 years at the Jedi Temple. Right. So it, it's going to be interesting to see
1: because kind of like Kobe said, like, if he comes right back, it kind of damp, it dampens the end of that season. I don't know. But then again, like, and I think Maverick said this, but like, if it does come out that Kylo Ren did kill Grogu, like Kylo might head into Jar Jar Binks territory of hated. (laughs) Because like
2: like, like I said, what, how does that affect people's view of him turning back good? I mean, he already did some pretty deplorable things by killing on Solo, also killing all the students. Uh, now he killed Grogu, who's one of the most quickly loved characters in Star Wars history. Yeah,
1: it'll be interesting to see. Um, because Luke, by the time that he got Grogu, it, it can't have been that far after the Empire had yeah. fallen in episode six. It can't have been that far after. So he still was pretty young. And by the time we catch back up with him in episode seven, he's got to be what, like in his 60s,
2: 50s, 60s? Well, this is 25 years before episode seven. So he'd be 75 probably. Okay, gotcha.
1: So there's there's a big gap in there that there's a lot that can happen. And in those 25 years, will Grogu still have been at that Jedi temple? I have no idea. There's a lot of things that can happen in that gap. Um, but it's it'll. I'm anxious yet excited to see how they resolve that. If they resolve it well, the last time I was anxious yet uh, excited to see how something was resolved was Game of Thrones.
2: So I'm really hoping <laughs> that this does not turn into that. Aaron, your thoughts, Then I have an answer.
3: Um, I feel like my overarching thoughts are, like I said, I feel like the finale of this season was really like was a really well self-contained series finale. And so I would be fine if we don't see the Mandalorian and Grogu together again in a show unless like, I think that they should have their own separate shows now. I'd be fine if there's a cameo of one and the other somewhere down the line, but I don't think that they should be major plot characters in each other's universes.
2: I think they will see each other. It might be once and it might be just a split second, maybe at the grand finale of of Mm. Mandalorian's arc. But I, it seems corny, but the, just the sheer fact that they put dialogue in there that he, where he's like, I will see you again, I promise. Anakin said, I would see you again, I promise, to his mom, even though she died five seconds later when he finally did see her. That You don't put that in there and not fulfill it from a storytelling perspective. So it might be in our, in real life, three, four, five, six years now when it's the grand finale of everything And it might just be for a split second, but I do think ultimately we will see him again. If not in another series too, Um, maybe we get a buddy cop between R2D2 and Grogu.
1: Can I, can I, Um, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was gonna pose. No, I I was
2: making sure I think all the, the main story beat or the main questions from my part uh, got covered.
1: I, I just wanted to pose a question because I kind of made a reference to this last week, I think, or it might not have been on the pod, but I said, like, with the um, the announcement of all these different shows, you know, you have Ahsoka, you know, this, the Ahsoka show, you have, um, you know, this is now this Boba Fett show, you have- Rangers of have, the New Republic. Right. You have all of these shows that could potentially intersect. And I know how I felt and I know how a lot all of you feel about how like, you know, the Marvel thing ended up and like having the fatigue of having so much content and then having it all come like, you know, like I I did not watch Luke Cage season two Iron Fist. I did not watch just like I just was so tired of having to watch all this crap to get it all together. I was like, I'm done with it. I watched Daredevil and I watched The Punisher and then I was done. I watched sorry, I watched Luke K season one. I watched Jessica Jones season one. And then I was like, all right, <laughs> that's it. So, like, you know, are y'all like worried about there being like a Star Wars fatigue, especially like the feelings after episode seven, eight, and nine? Um, but there is that like revitalized enthusiasm after The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's like a, a, a lightning in a bottle type of thing, or can they like capitalize on this and actually pull this off and have this like extended canon that they've been that i feel like a lot of star wars fans have been hoping for i mean mav you're the resident star wars fan like i feel like this is what y'all wanted you want like that when the whole legends thing happened and they not decanonized a lot of the extra stuff but like this is now them venturing into that territory that i feel like a lot of like really intricate or a lot of really uh enthused star wars fans are like looking for yeah
2: I mean, I can go first. I probably have a pretty long-winded answer. I don't know. I mean,
1: this is mostly because you, like, you are the Star Wars dude. Like, you know the most out of all of us. I feel like.
2: So I, as the fan, am, am not worried in the slightest. I will consume every bit of that content because this is something that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to now. And it was, I think, the more and more away that I get from the sequel trilogy. I think the more and more realization I'm coming to just to just because of the success now of the Mandalorian is that the future of Star Wars as a franchise is in televised in, in episodic television series and things like that, because you get the movies that that are for a long time and forever basically have been the top tier of Canon and you wait 510 years between trilogies you wait two to three years in between the individual movies and you put so much stock into them, you put so many expectations into them. And if they flop or they're just don't, they're not exactly what you want, you have to spend two and three years sulking about it or being upset about, or just hearing people like get upset about it. Whereas for a television show uh, that does weekly episodes that are an hour long at most, uh, but even for something like Mando 30, 45 minutes, if it's not good, you just move on to the next one. And it's much easier to move on without letting things just, just grow and snowball into negative feelings about things so i think that is the one difference and the other thing is is that the reigns are finally getting put into the hands of the people who probably should be and that's dave filoni and john favreau who is both producing and writing for all three of the aforementioned series the boba fett series the ahsoka series and rangers of the new republic which have already been announced that they will interconnect with each other will involve the same characters and will all culminate In a final grand finale. So I think creating a small universe like that, it's at least mimics the MCU series is something that's going to be really interesting. And then you have all the other series that are coming out and such. So I'm not personally feel at all, but I think potentially for someone Again, for something like me, that's a pure Star Wars fan. uh, I'm not worried about it. It's kind of thing where a pure MCU fans really not even that much worried about. It. They're going to watch it whether they like it or not. But it's kind of in the gray where there is the, the either the casual or some or slash indifferent kind of fan that just watches it.
0: I feel like anything that keeps Star Wars out of theaters for the next ten to fifteen years is a good thing. <laughs> like I feel like this is the perfect place to put these sorts of stories. And Dave is laughing at me. His mic is muted right now. It is.
2: Uh, it, it, it's easier to flesh things out in the series. Like if, if you took episode nine and put it in a eight-episode limited series, I feel like it would have so much better reception because things get fleshed out better. They put mm-hmm. so much in that two-hour and 20-minute movie that it felt like an absolute whirlwind trying to get
0: through it. It felt so you know, like I, five episodes of television back to back.
2: Yeah. So I I, I truly think and The one thing we we haven't even gone into yet is, I think, for the future Star Wars fans, for like the casual fans or even the ones that just didn't invest in all types of canon, things like the Mandalorian, because it introduces Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan, Grand Admiral Thrawn, for God's sakes, they're going to hear those names like, who are these people? And then we'll be like, well, there's this thing called Star Wars: The Clone Wars. There's this thing called Star Wars Rebels. There's these books that have all these characters in it. If you really like them or compelled by them, go watch those things. So, what this does is going to, it's going to, it's going to help people to invest in everything and get more connected to the, the canon, to the series, the franchise as a whole. Well, my thing was like, I immediately was like, after the Jedi
1: episode, after Ahsoka's episode, I was like. I should go. Re- I should go watch. Clone- I should go finish Clone Wars because I watched like the first like three seasons and I was like cool. And now I have dis- now it's on Disney Plus. And I'm like, you know, I could actually go conceivably finish it. It's a lot. It's like 22 episodes a season, <laughs> and I'm like, not all of them are that interesting.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, no. that was my one thing that I'm fear of. But I think Mandalorian is not doing it. Like the animated series, it's definitely I would say more for a, a kid's audience and yeah, full of filler. 25 episode seasons where there might be five to 10 that actually are consequential i would think or at least have very strong story beats and that was what i that was at least one thing i was afraid of i but i don't think that they, now that for live action shows i don't think they, just, they simply don't have a budget to be able to put in filler it has to get moving a little bit quicker than that but it's still plenty of things to be able to to invest in overall and i'm not anti-filler like there, yeah. like like there's episodes you could say that are
1: filler in Mandalorian that I enjoyed like I thought that the the spider ice episode was like it wasn't and it was still moving the plot relatively forward they're still towards a goal but it was definitely a filler episode and especially when you have like I think again this is a Chris point when you have different directors coming in and directing all these episodes it's like not all of them maybe want to add to the lore like maybe it's like I want to come in and do cool shit and then (laughs) we're good (laughs) you know um but as far as like you know I've never watched Rebels I've never finished Clone Wars. I'm sure there's something else that there's a, probably another show that I could watch that, you know, adds to the lore. But, um, you know, it makes me want to go
0: watch those things, you know. Shall we move on to the last question? Since David, I know you are now officially late. We, <laughs> moved, we moved
2: it to 3 30, so it's all good. Other than that question, it. I have one last comment. Is when we get this Ahsoka series, there is just one thing that I don't think anybody realized they want until it gets brought up in the Ahsoka series. That is the one last time that I want to see Luke, because Luke Skywalker, the son of Anakin Skywalker, who is the master of Ahsoka Tano, runs into her. So she gets to meet her master's son, who gets to tell her that her master died good. So,
0: question from at Michael Co nineteen ninety five. Who's the next saga character you'd like to see make a cameo appearance?
1: Well, Obi Wan's getting his own show, so mm-hmm.
0: I, I can't use that.
1: I personally, I, maybe dark horse answer. I would like to see Cal Kestis somewhere on a screen. <laughs> you know, because they are they use the actor. I can't remember his name. The guy from um, Cameron Monaghan. Yeah, 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 Mister Redhead. That looks like KJ Apa. Um, he kind of does. He not look like him a little bit. He does. Yeah. Um, Colby was giving me a skeptical look. Um, I would. I would just like to see because, like you know, the whole Jedi Fall Order thing is technically canon, correct?
2: Yes. No, it is.
1: Yeah. So I would just like to see how that fits in to everything. Mm-hmm. Now you have you have
2: technically two more Jedi around <laughs> you know like yeah. roaming around Granted, he would be older because mm-hmm. Fallen order was about five years after episode three so it'd be about about 15 years or, or you know about 20 years uh late he'd be about in his 30s 40s at the time of mando
1: so i guess i would have to wait to see how i'm assuming they're making a sequel to Fallen order with the way they left it so yeah see I, how that kind of ends so. up i'm gonna kind of wanted to see how that ends
2: up um but, yeah, uh, I would like to see Cal. I mean, if we're going to see Luke again, especially if he's going to see Grogu, seeing how his training's going, see if he can lift more stones or whatnot, maybe see a young Ben played by, like, a Finn Wolfhard or something something like that.
3: <laughs>
2: Sorry, Finn Wolfhard made me
0: laugh.
2: I'm
3: down there,
1: we're <laughs> talking, young
3: Ben. <laughs>
0: Is he gonna have a little band with his brothers? Do a little Naked Brothers band? But um, that was a great show, by the way. I missed Naked Brothers band. Naked
1: Brothers band.
0: <laughs> I don't have an answer, by the way. I just yeah. I
3: feel like I am the most casual Star Wars fan out of the four of us, and so I don't know. I guess that means that my opinion is valuable as the token casual Star Wars fan, but also like. I don't know. I need to think about it.
0: Well, David needs to go be a dungeon master, so we have to get out of here. Uh, so, thank you for listening to this a bit extended <laughs> extended episode, um, stitched together episode of Nevermate Varsity. And we will talk to y'all probably sometime before the new year.